hey, hey, and welcome to Insurance Town. I'm the Mayor Heath Sheeran and the host of this podcast. Guys, I'm super pumped that you're here hanging out with us today because I got my good friend Eric Garcia coming to hang out with us today. He's a good friend. He's uh, a lot of fun, and we have some good times in this conversation. We add a lot of value. I, I can't wait for you to check it out. I hope you like. We've changed up the format a little bit. We're trying to have a little more fun here in our entertainment value. If you like that, let me know, Heath, at insurancetownpodcast.com. If you don't and you want to go back to the old format and whatnot, let me know that as well. I love opening up the mailbag and getting into that with you guys. So uh, thank you so much. Keep that content coming. Keep those emails coming. If uh, if you got guests you want to hear about, bring it on. Let me know. Send the emails. I want to know about it. Uh, guys, if you haven't heard already, it is smooth sack summer. When you're playing in the summer sun, make sure that you are scaped from head to toe. That's right. Um, it's summertime. So let's keep your body cool while looking hot with Manscaped. Leaders and below the waist grooming are here to make sure you have a ball this summer by giving your pants partner everything they need to stay fresh. <laughs> I love reading these things. I never know when I open up the copy, but uh, dive head first into a, a smooth sack summer uh, by going to manscaped.com. Uh, you get 20% off plus free shipping uh, with code mayor. Uh, guys, the other day I had a little procedure on my arm. I had to use uh, my uh, lawnmower 4.0 to shave, you know, the arm hairs off, and uh, took care of it right then and there. No problem, no issues. I loved it. And um, you know, whether you're using it for <laughs> prep for a surgical procedure or you're using it, you know, the uh, on your face, on your ears, nose, uh, eyebrows, or if you're using it on your chest hairs for the summertime or if you're using it below the waist, whatever you're doing, go to manscaped.com. These tools are precision engineered tools for your family jewels. And we want to make sure that you're looking good. So go to manscaped.com, get 20% off plus free shipping using the code mayor. Guys, I also uh, want to talk to you about my good friends over at Cover Desk. As I'm rocking the shirt today for the video folks out there, um, if you didn't know, we are releasing full-length videos of all the episodes on YouTube Give us some time to get them all up there, but uh, we are releasing those. Cover Desk is your premier solution for uh, virtual assistants out there. Uh, and there's a lot of these companies out there, but Andy is uh, an agency owner himself. He knows our industry. He's in it in the trenches every day. He trains virtual assistants in our space. And so whether you're looking to offload some administrative tasks, if you're looking to get some quotes done, if you're looking to uh, do some accounting if you're looking to do, uh, you know, forward-facing stuff, back of the house stuff, whatever it might be, Cover Desk is the way to go there. Reach out to Andy and his team, and let them hook you up and outfit you. Whether you need one or two, or if you need a whole team, uh, they have a team approach to Cover Desk Direct. Go to CoverDesk.com. Now I'm going to get out of the way and uh, get ready for the show today. Uh, this conversation I'm going to have with Eric is going to be a good one. I just know it. Strap in and get ready. Sit back, relax, and enjoy my conversation with Eric Garcia. Steve, what's going on, Eric? How are you? What's up, Heath? Mayor? The Big Easy. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I'm just trying out this new nickname with you. I was trying some other ones earlier. It didn't quite work out, so we went with Big Easy. Um, easy? I'll take it. Isn't that what they call New Orleans, the Big Easy? The Big Easy? Yeah. Laid, super laid-back city. My wife and I, if she was sitting right here next to me, she, if I asked her right now, what's your favorite city in the whole country? She would say New Orleans. Mm-hmm. Um, and we get pushed back on that sometimes, especially, you know, over the last five or six years. But I still say it's a strong city. What kind of pushback do you get? Just like it, it's dirty, dangerous, yeah. stinky, dirty, hot. dangerous. You're always going to get somebody trying to shine your shoes or steal your wallet or do something crazy. And I just yeah. to me, that's what makes it fun. You know how many times I've been shot? Zero. Zero. You know how long <laughs> I've lived in New Orleans? <laughs> Your whole life? Um, New Orleans being the big easy. I think that New Orleans is a hard city with with storms and just it's just a hard place to live. So you kind of have to take everything in stride. So I think that's why it's the the big easy. We like to eat, we like to drink, yeah. we like to hang out with people. Dude. You know, we're not we're not we're not a fast paced city. Dude, it's the best food I've ever eaten in my entire life. Um, and what's funny is you call it Cajun food or do you just call it food? Where can we get jambalaya? Let's go yeah. boil crawfish. So you y'all legitimately love that food as much as we do. It's it's good. Heck yeah. 
Okay, what is okay? Let me ask you another mm-hmm. gumbo with or without okra. Personally, so this this is oof, this is highly contested. This is highly debated. Right? <laughs> gumbo is kind of one of those things where no no two gumbos are the same. Right. So gumbo gumbo is very personal. I I personally think gumbo should have okra in it. The okay. very word gumbo comes from the word okra. Okay. Okra. Uh, the word gumbo you. is an African word meaning okra. And okay. in Cuba, in Cuba, okra is kimbombo, which sounds a lot like gumbo, ironically. So I think okra is is should be in gumbo. And oh, the the purpose of okra in a lot of gumbos is to thicken it. It's not just okay. flavor; it's to thicken it. Okay. So, okay. So, are you more of a breakfast guy, lunch guy, or dinner guy? God. Um. Lunch. 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 Okay. Lunch. Say lunch. Like, what do you eat in New Orleans? I mean, in that area for lunch. I mean, I feel like everything's really heavy there. Like, it has to be dinner. But I mean, I'm not eating. I'm not eating like fried catfish for lunch every day. Okay, so what what do you rock it for lunch? Um, if I go out, I'm yeah. What's your favorite lunch? Probably like Vietnamese, something from the Vietnamese restaurant. Oh, Some nice. Pho. Mm-hmm. Some what? Pho. Pho. P H O. Watch your language on my show, bro. Yeah. I'm just kidding. What are you talking what? about? <laughs> what is that? What there's is a, there's a there's a pho restaurant out west. Yeah. Uh, some of our our listeners in California or your listeners in California could yeah. uh, um, confirm this, but it's the pho king. The, the oh, king nice pho, yeah. No pho. It's it's <laughs> it's Vietnamese soup. It's like a broth. You can yeah. either beef pho or or chicken pho. Okay, delicious. I gotcha. Man, you need some gotcha. culture in Arkansas, man. Right. Arkansas the greatest though. I, I love this place, but. My second favorite ever. If I had to go, if I had to move, it'd be New Orleans or it'd be Louisiana somewhere. Yeah, man, we like we like food. Food food's a big part of our, our culture here. It is. It is. So you're not a breakfast guy. No, I'll eat, I didn't say anything like breakfast. You made me choose. I, I got you. Right. Yeah, I'll take breakfast. I'm a breakfast guy all the way around. Um, I mean, New Orleans, man, we get some fantastic breakfast here. Yeah, you do. You did, you should have given me the option for brunch. Okay, well, you could have. I might have picked. You could have done a. You know, this your is your show, man. I'm following you. I'm not going to come in and change your questions. <laughs> Brunch. I got you. That's a little uh, best of both. Yeah. All right. What do you think? Okay. Uh, when you're going brunch and you're going down the buffet line, are you start, are you getting more breakfast foods? Are you getting more like the, the lunchy dinnery type foods? Where am I eating brunch at? I like uh, breakfast sandwiches. Breakfast sandwiches. Okay. okay. Down, one of my favorite. Okay, would, you would say that'd be number one. So if we did a draft. Of breakfast foods. Okay. Your number one pick? Can I pick a sandwich? sandwich or not to pick components? No, you can go sandwich. I'll pick a sandwich. Yeah. All right. I'm going to go first round pick omelet. Okay. All right. What's your second pick? Freshly squeezed orange juice. Oh, okay. Freshly. Uh, with, okay. Let me, let me. Freshly squeezed orange juice with champagne in it. Oh, oh, gotcha. A little mimosa. I gotcha. <laughs> That's money. That is money. So you're more of a. I figured you'd be a Bloody Mary guy, but I'm no, mostly. I don't, like, I don't like. I don't like. I don't like Bloody Marys. Does it hurt your tummy? Is that what it is? No, I just don't like tomato <laughs> juice. It doesn't hurt. All right. Tummy. All right. Uh, I'm at. If you left it open, my number two pick. I'm getting value on this pick. I'm going bacon. Bacon. That's cool. Yeah. I had, well, I got bacon on my sandwich. So that is true. That is true. All right. What's your what's your last your third round pick? Third round pick. Eggs Benedict. Oh, that's oh. a good one. That's a good one. Oh man, the hollandaise sauce. Oh man. yes, that's indeed. A... With, with with crispy bacon on top. Oh, you're taking one of my components for years. You got my one, my second round pick and two of your. I got you. You would hang out with me, man. You, there's room at the table. I got you. Oh man. Okay, being in Arkansas, y'all got to do this down there in the south where you're at too. Is I got to go biscuits gravy on number three. Right. We, well, you get biscuit gravy here, but it's not like it's not like in New Orleans. I mean, you can get it. You get it. A lot of restaurants have it, but it's not. We do uh, shrimp and grits. That's a big brunch item here. Nice. I do love shrimp and grits, but I don't think of that for breakfast. I think of that more of a dinner, but dude. Brunch or grits and griots. Yeah. That's I want to hear y'all. I need y'all to email me and let me know who won this draft. Um, I'm going to have to. I don't know. We got some good values there. Um, is he, all right. Is so the question. Uh, is, this, yeah. is this what people talk about in insurance town? Well, it is today. Okay. It's all it's all good. All right. So uh, speaking of what we talk about here, um, people are like, who is this Eric guy? So 
Why don't we take a walk down memory lane, get to know who Eric Garcia is. Take, you know, two or three minutes, go as far back as you want and bring me up to where you are today. Have you seen, um, have you seen, have you seen Nacho Libre? Yes. Where he's sitting down, he's in the monastery in his room and he's talking to the the nun Encarnacion and he goes, who is this Encarnacion? Yes. Yes. (laughs) I like Dost. Who is this Eric Garcia? I like Dost and Boopies and long walks (laughs) on the beach. (laughs) I like it. I like. I mean, I was I was born into the insurance space. My dad was a captive. My dad started nice. off as a life insurance only agent. With uh, um, anyway, and then um, went into the the multi, multiple lines space with uh, with a captive. Okay, and did that until he retired. So when I graduated from from high school, I was looking at a couple different. I was weighing. I had like three different options. I was looking at going into like full time youth ministry. Yeah, I was looking at going. Um, Kind of more on the the investment only side, okay. And then, well, actually, was, that's the two things I was looking at. In the end, I decided to go work with my dad or work with the company he was with because I had access to. I was going to be able to access his clients to talk investments. And then, uh, so that was two thousand one. So I started working with that company in two thousand and four. My dad and I actually merged our businesses, and I focused strictly on life insurance and investments. And then in two thousand and five that infamous year katrina hit and like literally for the next six to 12 months man it was like nothing but claims and just yeah. like call clients so that kind of brought me back into the pnc space a little bit more yeah probably and then probably about like 2000 and just prior to katrina this is actually an interesting story prior to katrina um, the million dollar round table had their uh, convention in New Orleans. And it was in, I want to say it was in July. And I remember going to the million dollar round table, walking through like the, the, the little vendor space and talking to a business coach. And he gave me this, this like six page plan or six page questionnaire. And I remember going to lunch and filling it out thinking like, Oh my gosh, I don't have this marketing plan. I don't do this. I don't do this. I said, I got to hire this guy. So we started having conversations. Katrina hit obviously changed the, changed the landscape of, of business And then in 2007, I got a follow-up call from this guy, from this coach. And we ended up hiring him because I wanted to get back into the life insurance space and investment space. And, you know, I felt that, you know, to have the accountability of a coach would be a good way to do it. So I worked with him for about 12 months. And then in 2008, I left insurance completely. And I went independent on the financial side. And then... Um, in 2010, over the next few years, post-Katrina New Orleans was a funky insurance space, particularly for captives. If you're a captive, you had one one carrier you could write. They stopped writing. You were you were kind of you were you you know you had problems. Now we had some interesting agreements where we could write with some companies um, that you know if if the captive we were with wasn't writing, we had a a sweet deal to where we could write with another company. Okay, through one of our through one of our um, brokerage relationships down here, and um, so we were able to retain some clients. But man, I saw I saw my dad losing clients from like twenty years because he couldn't help them. Like these people were in his office crying. You know, Felix, you know, we don't want to leave you. My dad's like, no, you have no choice. You you have to go here. This is better for you. My dad's like counseling people to leave him because it's just better for him. And um, I was watching these people walk out the door, and I was thinking, man, this is like these are dollars leaving the the, the business. So my brother was um, up in Chicago at the time and was wanting to come back to New Orleans. So I talked to him about coming down and starting the independent agency. So in 2009, 2010, we launched the independent agency where I did more of the business side, the contracting side, and he did the actual actual writing. And then um, it was me, my brother, and then my current business partner, Giovanni. Giovanni's the one that that uh, you've met before. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I like him a lot. Yeah. And then that was in 2010. And that was kind of my my entry into the independent insurance agency space. And um, after about a year, I learned really quickly that that operating an independent agency is much different than operating a captive agency. Yes, uh, it when, is. You know, when, when you're writing on, you know, 10 different uh, with 10 different carriers, <laughs> there's this thing called renewals. <laughs> Every carrier does renewals different. Uh-huh. And let me tell you, that was a shock. Um, yeah. So I, here's what happened. I learned quickly that, man, you know what? I'm not in the space 24-7. I need to shortcut my learning curve. And that's when I dove into 
I got to find some people who are, who are, who are doing this that I could, that I can like leverage their experience and leverage their knowledge. And I got involved in the big eye in the PIA locally. Um, uh, met a couple of people who I'm still friends with today. That's how I got involved with, um, with Jason Cass's mastermind and that he spoke at the, the big eye, um, conference for, for Louisiana. Nice. Uh, that was in 2011. So, um, started listening to started following Ryan Hanley back in the early days and, and Jason Cass and some other local agents here and shortcutted my learning curve. And, um, and yeah, that's, that's, uh, that's kind of how I got into the independent agency space. Man. I mean, there's so much I could unpack there, but I do see something I'd like to get into a little bit with you is there's a lot of exodus. I feel like from the captive space into the independent world right now. And, um, I think it started long before the hard market that we're in right now, um, which we're going to be in for a hot minute, in my opinion, but, um, you know, and I, I love to hear because I hear the same thing from so many that leave that space. Our buddy James Jenkins, we were talking about earlier, exited mm-hmm. that space from farmers for seven or eight years. And uh, <laughs> I've had other guests, you know, and they always say that same thing. There's a big learning curve there. Um, and I think mm-hmm. that's, that's so true for many other, I mean, many people for that matter, coming from financial space or coming from, hell, it could be coming from any space into the independent world. What what do you think that is? Like, why do you think there's that that big learning curve there? Other than just the obvious answer of vast it's, it's, amount it's of a business model. It's a totally different business model. Um, so, for example, you work with a the captive. They do all your marketing. You, 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 you don't have to make any. It's like it's like opening a franchise. Yeah. Right. Like, yeah. you know, you go open up a Chick-fil-A versus opening up your own independent chicken shop. You can do what you want. You got to make your own decisions on logo. On, when you open a franchise, everything's there. It's out the box. Yeah. You don't have to make yeah. decisions. You don't have to think through things. All of a sudden, you go independent. You got to make a decision on your your technology. You yep. got to make a decision on your name. Like yep. God, how many how many brain cells do we lose just trying to name our agencies? And crazy, logo, right? Crazy, yeah. Um, so you have you, the decision making is just a lot more. You're dealing with a lot more. Even on my on the on the financial side, right? I'm I'm independent on the financial side. I'm attached to a bigger firm, but I've got a lot of freedom in how I operate my business versus if I were working with a big name, like, yeah. a, I don't know, like a Edward Jones or Northwest mutual or, or, you know, yeah, no, I hear or you. even, even a bank working at a bank, man, there's decisions I don't have to make, but when you're independent, you have, you have to be um, an entrepreneur. You got to be good at your craft. You got to be building relationships. You got to be able to sell. You got to be able to manage There's a lot more that you have to do. And it's in number one skills you may or may not have. So you might have to learn new skills. And if yeah. you have the skills, you got, you have to start using them because you weren't yeah. using them to the fullest when you're captive. Yeah, no, I agree. And you brought up a good point that I'd like to get into a minute. Cause uh, again, transition a tad, but there's a lot of, producers let's say you know you and i own names you together and our top producer who's just killing it out there decides or agent whatever you want to call them decides i want to start my own shop you know there's those people that are just great at at hunting and they just want to go out hunt and kill then they try to open up their own shop and they run into a whole whole bunch of headaches Mm -hmm. because i think it's a different mindset in my opinion and i'd love to hear your perspective from there's that true business entrepreneur, the guy who gets it, who may suck at sales or may not be as talented in sales. Then there's a the guy who just can sell, what is it, uh, ketchup popsicle to a woman in white gloves, but may not be the best entrepreneur or may not be the best. You know, what kind of advice you could give there to that person who, you know, doesn't necessarily have the business acumen, but loves the insurance space? Yeah, surround yourself with people who are good at what you're not. Okay. I you mean, make it sound so easy. No, All right, we're closing up the no, show. No, no, Good no, to see no, you, Eric. No, no, Have a great it's, day. It's hard. No, it's hard. It's like I'm a terrible right. salesperson. I don't like the. I don't like the. Are you really though? I can talk to anybody. I was about to say, but I'm not yeah. a great closer. I know that. Okay. That's not my skill. Like I don't. I don't. I don't enjoy the the chase. I don't enjoy yeah. the. You know, to me, it's more important. Like I'd rather like, man, I'd rather have a good time with heat and drink a beer you know, eat some bacon, then like feel the pressure of having to close a piece of business with heat. Right, 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 right. It's just, I got you. My dad was a phenomenal closer. Good old Felix. Felix the cat, baby. Felix Ready to go. 
I mean, he, he can, like I would sit there in my office and it was right across from me and I would hear him close. I'm like, my God, if I said that to somebody, they'd get up and walk. But like he would say things with such just yeah. such, you know, authority and assertiveness. And like they would just it was amazing. My business. What partner, do you? Yeah. What do you think the number one uh, you're about to say about your business partner? What do you think the you know, the number one, not skill, but one of the biggest things I should say you got to have to be just that killer close or that killer salesperson. I, I don't know. I'm not that killer close. I'm not that killer yeah. salesperson. But okay. What did you see in Felix and your business partner? The guy that I just met a minute ago. But, you know, I, I think part of it is they don't care. They don't care what people think of them. They I mean, at some that. level they might, but they don't care. Like you can tell me no all day long. It doesn't matter. It doesn't change. It doesn't change. Like I, I want, I want people to like me, man. I don't want to, you know. So you think to be like, a good salesman, you can't have commission breath. Whatever that means. Yeah. You can't like come at people with the whole mentality of I'm going to close you. Maybe. You got to come at more with. More I'm the wrong guy to ask. You, you can ask. You can ask me about financial planning. You can ask me about vision. You can ask <laughs> me about entrepreneurship. Don't ask me about sales. Cause that's not right? my strength. You need to get okay, like, so, you know, <laughs> yeah, back to the original question then. Okay, yeah, so yeah. as a business owner, uh-huh. more in your realm, um, I started to have some fun because you were talking about seeing your dad. Because I'm the same way with my dad. You know, I watched him growing up, you know, in, in the business and selling. I feel like that guy could sell anything. And I'm like, how in the world, you know, and he's 80 years old and he's still slinging insurance to this day. But mm-hmm. it kills me because I'm like, how in the world? Because I'm like, it, he doesn't make it look special. It's just, he's just got it. I think you just have it anyway. Yeah. Um, but back to that guy, you know, you said surround people. There's some people that know how to do it. That's number one. What else you got? Um, I, like that. I like that. Surround yourself with people who have skills that you don't. So right. what was the original question? You know, just on those people that, you know, yeah. uh, you know, starting a, an agency or being an agency owner, things of that nature, just being that entrepreneur, you know, um, you know, I was talking about those agencies uh, that have the producer that steps out, starts their own agency, and they don't necessarily have the entrepreneur spirit. There's a lot of those out there that are great hunters that just want to start their own agency. Okay, yeah, I would say, I would say this, I would say this. I think it's. I'm gonna take a step back here, a little, little we're gonna take like a Hit ten thousand, thirty thousand foot view. Go for it. I think you have to, you have to have a vision of where you're going. Number one, okay. like what am I trying to build? Because based on what I'm trying to build is going to determine the people I need to surround myself with. If I if I just want to build like a lifestyle agency where I wake up and I go in I go in the office, I sell some insurance, I'm making good money, um, I'm managing a small staff, and I'm happy yeah. with that. I'm not really managing a business to sell one day. I'm just managing something that that's going to provide for my lifestyle. And then then that's that's very different. Then saying I'm going to go out there and I'm going to build a fifty million dollar agency, right? You have you have to. It's a totally different. So you think that you're trying to build? So that I don't goal think, I don't setting, think people know. I don't think people know their end game. I like I, I, I. You talk to a lot of insurance people. In fact, if you go to agentendgame.com, that's um. Oh, so I work with a lot of insurance agency yeah. owners, insurance yeah, professionals, yeah. on the financial planning, investment management side, and I talk about all the time. What's your end game? Like if I'm if we're planning for something ten or and, and here's the thing about planning. Whenever we say like this is where I want to be in ten or twenty years, we're guessing. There's a lot of guesswork. Goals are are there's a lot of guesswork in goals, and that's okay, right? Because we can't. Con- there's so many variables that are going to determine our success or failure over the next twenty years that to to give yourself some some false sense of control or some some false sense of like precision over the future to me is, is, is silly. So we're guessing where we want to go. So like, I'm guessing that I want to build an agency that I can sell one day and walk away from that's going to provide X amount of dollars for me in the future. Okay. That, that's kind of, that's my direction. So the goal is directional for me. It's pointing me in a particular direction. You got to start there. You got to know what direction you're going in. Um, because yeah. then it comes down to like, all right, if you're trying to build something big or something that's, that's more saleable, well, dude, you probably don't want to build it around you. You probably don't want to be like the, the main guy. You probably don't want to right. be or the main gal. You don't want to be the person that that everything lives and dies around. So the first thing right. I would say is like duplicate yourself. Okay. So I'll look at it at I'll look at it as so Garcia Insurance Agency, or that's not even the name. Garcia Insurance Services. Oh my God, I can't even get right. <laughs> um, that's our agency. To me, I look at it as another investment in my portfolio. Okay. That makes up a large part of my portfolio, which I 
I like diversification. I don't like having so much of my capital tied up in, in, in one in one stock, so to speak. But what makes that company more saleable to me? I'm operating the business to be able to, one, it's providing good income for, for my staff. And that, that excites me. But one day I want to sell it. I want to walk away from it. So decisions I'm making have to be yeah. that, that, are, that are moving me towards that eventual goal of being able to sell it. So if I'm less active in the business, it becomes a whole lot easier for me to sell it. 100%. Yeah. So how often do you revisit those goals of like, let's say when you start, when people start off, I don't, and maybe it's different now, but when I first got into it and you got into it back in early 2000s, I don't think there was as much of a, a push back then of let's start this thing to sell it five years from now. I think it was more of let's build this thing and grow it. But nowadays I think I see a lot more. I feel like I see more agencies that start a business thinking these multiples are nice. I mean, you can get four and five times revenue or whatever it might be. I'm going to build this thing up and try to sell it. But I mean, do you revisit those goals? Like, let's say you started, you know, with the mentality of I'm just going to grow, 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 grow. And then you come back, was it five years later, two years later, every year? How often do you revisit those goals? I mean, as often as you need to. That's not a great question. That's not a great answer. But number one, goals are flexible. If we're guessing. Yeah. Right. If, 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 we're, if we're guessing where we're going or guessing where we'll end up. And you do need to come back every now and then and make sure that you're still making decisions that that are are advancing you towards that eventual end. Right. Okay. So certainly annually you should be looking at it. But I would say anytime there's anytime there's significant uh, input or significant change yeah. in in your model or or change in the marketplace, you should stop and revisit it. Right. Like I talk to guys who are like, ah, I don't want to sell. I don't want to sell. I don't want to sell. And then one day they wake up like, I'm tired. This is a grind. I want to sell. I'm like, well, you haven't been making the decisions in the past four or five years that are putting you in a good position to sell. We talk to some of these, we talk to some of these CFOs in the space and business coaches uh, in the space. And, and a lot of the work is let's start making decisions today so that in three or four or five years, you're in a position to be able to. To sell, you might not be thinking about it today, but if that's an eventual possible outcome, then you need to start operating today in light of that that possible outcome. So making decisions today. That's why I said when people say like like oh I don't want to sell like these guys are selling for all these multiples I'm happy just doing them you're full of crap. No, operate like you're going to sell one day because you're going to here's what's going to happen you're going to wake up one day and you're going to have hit you're going to be hit by a hurricane. Then you're going to be hit by five of your companies going in receivership. And then you're going to hit by 40, 50, 60, 70, 80% renewal rates on your accounts. You're going to have to renew 40% of your policies in a two-month period because of all the companies that have gone out of business. And you're going to be like, I want out. And if you haven't been preparing yourself to get out, it's going to be really hard to get out. Yeah. Or you end up like my dad, 80 years old, still selling. Well, you know, look, some guys like it. Some people love selling. Like sure. My dad is my dad is sitting downstairs working in the agency. He comes and goes as he wants, but he, you know, we'll give him 10 clients to call a day and he'll call them and he'll say that, you know, he'll have conversations with them. He loves angry clients. He loves Does he really? Oh my God. He loves he just loves the the challenge of taking someone who's upset and then winning them over. Dude, that that takes a special person right there. So like people love it. People love it, you know, and that, and that's cool. And some people don't love it. Yeah. Some people, some people like insurance because of the opportunity it provides it because there are big multiples. I don't know if those multiples are going to continue. I could be wrong. I, I think that, um, I think the past few years were bananas with some of the multiples, man. I think money was, Yeah. I even see this in the non-insurance space, just in the regular investment space yeah. and money. Like, I mean, money was flying like, you know, in, in the venture capitalist space, like it was going out of style, like, like you couldn't run out of it. Right. Um, right. And then it dried up and, you know, things, things have slowed down a little bit right now. Um, but I think, I think it'll like everything, it'll find equilibrium. Um, I don't, I don't think it's going to be as easy just to get up and sell your business. Like some people think. Yeah. I had a a buddy of mine in Little Rock. I thought he was crazy, um, and I won't say his name. Uh, you probably know him if I said it. Uh, we can talk about it off air, but he decided when he started his agency that he was going to sell in five years. And he was like, I'm going to build it up to X amount. I know I'm able to get, let's say, three times value. This was back, you know, several years back. And um, sure enough, that was his goal. 
every year. And sure enough, five years later, on the dot, sold it for well over what he thought he was going to get for it. And now he's doing something totally different. Yeah. And I was so mad because I was like, I've given my life to this industry. I sweat. I love it. I, I would die for this industry. I was a, uh, um, are you a John Wick guy? I, I haven't watched one John Wick movie from start to end. Okay. Right. Yeah, I was at my neighbor's house either. yesterday on the 4th of July. And he had John Wick, the last one playing on the, uh, yeah. uh, I, I don't know what, like, I have no idea what's going on. All I know is that like, he's, he's going up these stairs, like, he killed a hundred people and he should have died six times and he didn't. And the next right. thing he's like in this duel with this blind dude. And if, I don't know why they're dueling and have to shoot each other. And then I think that one of the guys said something along the lines, he who grips to life too tightly finds death or something along those lines. So, so maybe he, who, he, who grips to his business too tightly, Heath will never be able to sell it. <laughs> that's why, that's why you're still grinding away. And he was able to, you know, he wasn't gripping to it too tightly. No, he, it just made look, me look, mad. Look, if, look, if you're at the end of the day, we're in the service industry. We serve people. We serve clients. If you can build a, build a business by giving good service, by taking care of people, and then you sell it, that, that's cool. The problem, yeah. and, and along the way, take care of your staff. Take care right. of your staff. That's one of the things that concerns me. All these deals being based off of EBITDA. EBITDA is a number where it's an important number. Okay. 100%. It's an important number. But when you base everything off of EBITDA, one of the one of the 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 components of EBITDA is expenses. So if you can reduce expenses, right? Then you can increase your EBITDA, you can increase your sale. Well, what's our biggest expense as agency owners? Our people. Our people. So we're either going to overwork our people to have less people to reduce that expense or not pay our people well. Right. And that that concerns me sometimes when I talk to these guys who are just chasing EBITDA and yep. um um, for, for a sale. Midroll ad, ladies and gentlemen, I'm so glad that uh, you're enjoying this conversation. I'll get you back to it in just a minute, but before I do, I want to talk to my friends over at Smart Choice. Smart Choice is the fastest growing agency network for a reason. They come in, they want to help you. They want to partner up, whether you're just getting started in a green agency, ready to rock and roll, they'll come in and instantly give you credibility with markets that you need and uh, some advice that you might need, a great consultant you could talk to or a you know, sales team member that can help you in the process. Or if you've been around for 25 plus years and you've got every market, but you need this one or two more, reach out to Smart Choice. Go to smartchoiceagents.com and check it out. There's a salesman right there in your backyard. There's a consultant right there around the corner that can help you out. Smartchoiceagents.com. Uh, they are uh, amazing. No upfront fees, no monthly fees. They only work off a commission split from the carriers they bring to the table, not your existing book, smartchoiceagents.com. Also, my good friends over at Canopy Connect, your one-click solution to getting those deck pages you need to quote your prospects. And guys, they have got some exciting news coming out. I can't wait to bring somebody on here soon to talk about that. Uh, you may have heard Mitch Gibson alluded to it uh, in a couple of weeks episode. Um, dude, uh, cool stuff going on. No more that back and forth asking all those questions. Um, you know, it's easy for your referral partners to get a link created for them. Use canopy.com. Uh, they are a premier, uh, incredible solution and incredible opportunity for your customer journey to get that much better. Use canopy.com backslash Heath, get a discount, get your demo. Uh, check it out right now. Now let's get back to the show. Listen, I, I completely agree with you. And and I've been in, I don't know, I've probably stepped in a thousand agencies and I see a lot of that. You know, and I won't call any out my name because there's some that do a really good job of that, but there's some that you could tell when you walk in that heaviness of their staff hates being there. They're overworked, they're underpaid, you know, they don't want to be there. Or flip side of that, I could walk into the Garcia Insurance Services Agency and or whatever you don't even know the name of your own agency, and they probably love being there. They're probably happy and they're probably smiling and they're probably servicing your clients better. They care. Our staff cares for our clients, no doubt, hundred percent. But does that start with you? Does that start with Mr. Agency owner treating them well? I'd and like not to necessarily think so. pay. I don't, I don't mean pay. I just mean like. Just yeah, I, I think that's part of it. I think that's part of it. Part of it is also who you hire. I mean, like, I think you can, you can hire people who are just miserable people and you can treat them well and they're still miserable people. <laughs> right. Yeah. 
Yeah. So I think it comes down to your culture of hiring. You know, who do you bring on? Do you bring on people who, who um, at their core care about other people and are going to serve other people? Or, or are you going to bring on people who are self-interested, who are not going to care for other people? So I, I think you can, you can fool yourself as a business owner and say, I'm going to just treat my staff well, and therefore they're going to treat my people well. That's not necessarily, that's not necessarily the case. So, uh, you know, do you start with the person and put them in a role or do you start with the role and fit, you know, and, and get the right person for that role? So, so remember what I said, you surround yourself with people who are good at things that you're not good at. Yeah. I remember that hiring, hiring is something that I detest. I do not like it. And I, and I hate firing even more. Right. Um, but I would say, I would say, I think you're, this is me personally. This is how I operate. Now, if I were running a big organization, I probably would, would operate a little bit differently. Um, number one, you have to know what role you're hiring for, first of all. Right. But I would say find the, find a good person and then see if they fit that role. Okay. As opposed to this person would fit that role great, but they're not a good person. Well, that that, that gotcha. won't do it. And it's easier like said it. than done. No, I hear you. Done. Um, and then you know, like I think let, get- let me on that on that. I think I think culture in a small business okay. is so important. And one person can totally jack with your culture. Agreed. That you have to, you have to, I don't care how good the person is. I don't care how much money the person's making you. If, if they don't fit your culture, it's going to, the cost is going to be greater somewhere, either down the line or emotionally or on your team. Uh, but man, culture is so in a, in a bigger organization, you can hide some, some, you know, people who are not as culture friendly to your, to your business. But in a small agency, man, you can't hide. You can't hide bad culture. Right. No, you're right. Um, and so when we talk about, okay, since you talk about you don't like the hiring or the firing and you're not the best that, you know, you don't like. So what am I good at then, right? <laughs> right. So now I'm getting into not what you got. I know what you're good at. You're the man. But like when you talk about the financial side of it, I'm guessing that's where your realm is, the mm-hmm. business part of it. You know, you, you say you work with insurance agents on a regular basis. So the audience you're talking to right now, the ones that are listening now to you, you know, what what are the, some of the things that they come to you the most with, you know, or do you have like a, a can program that you go to them with? How does that work working with you? So we don't do many canned stuff. Okay. So we, we don't have a, we don't have a huge client base. And I actually like that because one of the things I'm good at is getting to know people. Yeah. And I like Obviously. to I like to get to know people's finances as good as they know it. And yeah. if there's one thing that we're good at here, and you met before we actually started recording, you met my business partner Xavier. And good um, dude. Um, yeah, and we we have a lot of similar values. Is that we're really good at knowing our clients, and then almost shortcutting the decision process for them and giving them the the information and helping them make a decision quicker than they otherwise would take financially. If that makes sense. Um, you talk about decision, like what, what kind of decisions? Man, like money. So money touches about everything we do. Think about it. Think about it. Um, it where you eat, what you drive, where you live, how you travel, where you stay when you travel. You know, are you so you're working it? with agency owners on their individual and their business finances. Yeah. So business finances is more ancillary. So I'm not, I don't get okay. deep on business finance. You're more focused on the I, individual. Yeah. I can talk business finances because I operate a business. And I think that's part of the, that's part of the, the, yeah. the value add is I can sit down I can look at your financial statements. I look at financial statements regularly, you know? Uh, so I understand how to read them and I, I, I understand what you need to do to be profitable. So I can, I can relate to that. I would much rather an agency owner or business owner have a, a CFO or C- CPA that I can work closely with. That makes sense. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, but most of our work is on the personal finance side. So like anywhere that. from you know the obvious stuff like retirement planning, making sure we're saving, and, and a big one really that we've been talking about lately is asset location. Like where are you investing your money? Yeah, you can locate your assets in retirement plans. Well, if you're in your mid 30s or early 40s and you have all your money in a retirement plan, what happens if you want to? do something at age 50, you know? So, so we talk about asset location. And then if you have money invested in taxable accounts, then we got to be uber conscious of, of taxes. 
So we got to make sure that we're we're managing money from a tax efficient standpoint. You know, take use using different techniques to reduce capital gains taxes. Um, to and you know, I know we're all in the insurance space, but uh, making sure that you're properly insured. I'm talking about like life insurance, disability insurance. Uh, Do you see that being in a hole in several people in that area? Yeah. Not talking about your clients, but is that an area that people miss? Yeah, I think I think we I think we underestimate liquidity as business. Yeah. We underestimate how much liquidity we have, and really, life insurance. Let's, let's talk about life insurance. Life insurance is provides liquidity at a very specific time. Yeah, we, we underestimate how much liquidity we'll actually we're actually going to need at different points in time. So one of the things I talk often about is you can't save enough. And that's the challenge as entrepreneurs, as business owners. Do we invest in our business and get crazy growth rates, which most people do? I can never, I can never, in most cases, successful businesses, I can't match that return in the stock market. That's not, that's not the stock market for business owners isn't to, to build their wealth. It's to continue grow, to grow wealth that they've already built and that they've already earned. Okay. Sure. It's to diversify outside of their small business. Um, so, um, so yeah, so it's a decision of where do we where do we put our money? Is it going into here, into a small business? Do we reinvest it? Do we put it outside? Do we go after real estate? Um, and usually, I'm glad you focus on that because usually when I'm talking to insurance agents and, and they're talking liquidity, which that word just fun to say, liquidity. liquidity. Um, yeah. uh, we know we're talking about that. It's more of like almost like their own like coffee can of money to buy an agency. Or to buy something, you know, um, within like whether it's another agency or a merger, or they buy something like that. Is that? Yeah. So, so liquidity gives you opportunity, gives you options. But is your options outside sitting, of that? You know, yeah, or is that mainly what you're talking about when you're talking liquidity? But I think both ends. So if I'm sitting on a pile of cash or or a taxable investment account that I can leverage, yeah. and an opportunity presents itself, I can jump on it. Sure. Right. But if every dollar that hits my account. I'm constantly just doing something with it. It might not be the most efficient thing for that dollar and an opportunity presents itself. I don't have any liquidity. So I like the idea of building liquidity, almost like, almost like a cushion. Okay. And then just continuing to grow your business. And then you have this money if you need access to it. Otherwise it's continuing to grow. And as opportunities present themselves, now you can say, huh, this is a good opportunity. Do I want to liquidate? some investments that I have over here to pursue this opportunity. Can I leverage this money to pursue this opportunity? Or do I want to cash flow this opportunity? You have options. Okay. And when you have options, yeah, what, you can typically make better decisions. And this may be a dumb question because I'm not in, I'm not in your, like I suck at what you're talking about, but like if you're talking percentages, what percentages of someone's budget should be liquid or is that not work that way? I mean, it depends. So yeah. like, I, I would say, I would say liquid from like an emergency standpoint, like okay. your crap account. Um, I would say three to, I mean, depending on how steady your income is, you know, three to six months of expenses, just in like cash in the bank. It's expensive. Okay. Like if okay. it hits the fan. Um, and then outside of that, you know, um, I'm a big fan. I call it the work optional account. It's just a regular after-tax investment account loaded up, man. So like the question I ask is, if you weren't working today, how much income do you want? Well, what do you mean? Yeah, I want a quarter million dollars a year being generated for my investments. Okay, then you need uh, $4 million in your account, right? Or, or you need assets that yeah. are generating that type of income, whether it's real estate, whether it's investments. And again, I would, you know, I'm a big fan of diversification. So I think you back yourself into that number. I've never met anyone who saved too much. And that's another big part of financial sure. planning is finding that balance between like, if I save too much, then I can't enjoy life. But if I enjoy life and don't save anything, then I'm going to put myself in a bind. So it's finding that, finding that balance. balance. Right? And that's why there's no, there's no prescriptive, there's no prescriptive advice in the financial space. I don't you're different. You're different than, than me. And we're all different. So the way we apply, you know, things that you value, are different. Like you may value charity. She's like, dude, like I want to be financially independent to be able to give when opportunity presents itself. I want to have cash on hand to do whatever I want and not have to think about it. Someone else is like, yeah, you know what? Eh, I'll give a little bit, but like, I want to have cash on hand to, to travel and not even think about when I travel, like how much I'm spending. Those are two different values. Yeah. 
or someone else might say like, Hey, look, I don't care about me. Like I want to enjoy life, but like, I really want to provide experiences and opportunities for my grandkids. I want to make sure that I have money and legacy money. Those are three very different goals. We might use similar tools to, to reach those goals. Those are three very different values, right? Yeah. And for the guys, for, for, for the agency owners who are selling and they're charitable, man, what an opportunity to sit back and say, Ooh, Ooh, you're selling, you're gonna have a huge sure. tax bill. How can we, you know, what, what can we do to reduce that? Are there, are there some charitable giving um, strategies that we can do um, in advance? Not, not <laughs> after the fact, it's always hard right. to go backwards and plan. And so all that begins with kind of this question, I guess it sounds like of what's your end game and you kind of build that into that. And then does Eric, do y'all get into the the psychology of some of that? You know, the whole Simon Sinek, the why and all that kind of stuff, or are you just kind of, I don't think you can do proper financial planning if you don't, if you don't talk about that. I, I think that's I mean, good to hear because yeah. I think there's people listening to this right now that don't, they take for granted yeah. that or they don't focus enough attention on that. Yeah, I actually, th- I actually think that. So for about 15 years, I've collaborated with a couples counselor, um, yeah, yeah, a, a good yeah. buddy of mine. Yeah, we had a podcast. We were, we were in 65 episodes, building us, investing your relationships. I remember and that. I learned so much about financial planning, about my own industry, about my own craft from hanging out with therapists. Right. And um, the psychology of money is huge. Behavior. Look, behaviors are our nemesis when it comes to building financial uh, security when it comes to building financial independence, yeah. right? Because we, we just did a whole show on delayed gratification on our, on our podcast on uh, stuff about money. They didn't teach you in school, whole show on delaying gratification, right? Making a hard decision to do something that's uncomfortable because I'm pursuing something that I hold in higher esteem. I have, I have placed more value in it. And if I, if I give in to, my current sense of like just satis- uh, to satisfy my my current you know desire now I'm going to sacrifice this this thing that I've deemed more valuable right so I'm making a decision to delay my satisfaction today to enjoy something tomorrow that's that's, that's psychology right I am deciding to save 25 percent of my income today because in 10 years, I don't want to write another insurance policy. That's that's behavior, right? And if we can't control yeah. our behaviors and our emotions, then we're we're going to be in trouble. And that's one of the things yeah. that we talk about and that we do is when you talk about the why, and you say, and you have that vision, like your friend, right, who who built an agency and sold it in five years, a very clear vision. He had a very clear why, one hundred percent, very clear why. And I think it's the same thing as if. If we stop and say, man, what, what am I trying to accomplish? What are my values that are most important to me? And then the decisions that you're making, you weigh them in light of that direction. And it either helps you or it hurts you. Yeah. And hurts you, then don't do it. And sometimes people need accountability yeah. to, to make the right decisions. And that's the thing for me. And, and you and I have talked about this. I think I've got my financial planner guy's a really good friend of mine and I have to like give him a money, like, don't let me touch this for six months because I have this, if I'm trying to do this delayed gratification, mm-hmm. because I don't have the willpower to do it. And I think there's a lot of agency owners out there right now that are the same way. And I think the moment they sniff out something out there for sale, they're going to go buy it, whether it makes sense or not. Or there's some yeah. new piece of tech out there that may or may not make it, but I got to invest in it because it's sexy and it's tech, you know, whatever it might be. I don't think there's enough, but for me personally, uh, and I think a lot of people could relate to me on this. If you can hit me in the emails, but I, I struggle with that. And so I have to say, uh, David, hold this. Do not let me touch this money. Like take X amount out per check, do whatever you gotta do. Cause I can't do it on my own. Mm-hmm. Do you find that with a lot of your people too? Or am I just the only idiot? I think, I think it's just you, Heath. No. Okay. Well then, no, uh, no, 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 I'm giving you our time. <laughs> No, no especially, especially in the insurance space. There's some, yeah. there's some people making good money. Okay. Yeah. Now there's a Lots. difference between there's a difference between income and wealth. Okay. Now, if you have a high income, you have a better opportunity to build higher wealth. Right. But yeah, you yeah. can build wealth without having a big income. The problem is there's people with big incomes and they're big lifestyles and they're not saving. Right. But so number one, number one rule, like like really simple. Real simple, spend less than you make. If you want to build wealth, 
spend less than you make. But that comes down to discipline. Yeah, it comes out of sure. Yeah. So behavior. Now I would say this. Yeah, I, I work with clients who who like to spend. Um, yeah. But at the same time, I don't want to be the the I don't want to be the 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 no guy. I don't want to be the guy like you can't do that. Like to me, right. budgeting is important. We talk about it. I teach kind of a, a, a my own my own method for I call it actually I call it cash flow management because I'm a terrible budgeter. I'm a terrible budgeter. But I'm really good at managing my cash flow. Okay. They're two different to me, they're two different things. Okay. Um, I want you to be empo- empowered and equipped to make some of those decisions, spending decisions on your own. I want you to grow in your ability to say, I'm gonna save for this and I'm gonna do one less Starbucks a week or two less Starbucks. I'm picking on Starbucks, whatever it might be. No, no, I think it's a great point though. Because people think of that, and I hear that a lot, you know. And back when I used to sell life insurance, the big thing was, uh, oh, it's so gonna, you know, it, it, we, my dad would be like, oh, it's gonna be, you know, one coke a day, you know. That's how he'd be, and people would think of that mindset. If I just give up one coke a day, I can afford this cancer policy or this life insurance yeah. policy. And, and we're talking, we're talking like you know, one Starbucks a day. I'm on the, I'm, I spend money on coffee. I love coffee. Coffee right. always seems to be, even in the financial space, when the companies come out and they're like, oh, you know how much money you spend in coffee? If you saved every, invested every dollar that you spent on Starbucks, you could be, you know, a millionaire. But I'm like, come on, man. Like, don't, don't pick on coffee. Right. But we all have, we all have so those you- that we spend money on that if we stop, look, if you go back, if you printed your expenses, everything you bought in the past three months and just yeah. took a highlighter and just said, did I need that? Mm, no. Did, should I, man, I wish I wouldn't have spent that. You'd be surprised at how much money you're spending. That's just leaking places. Yeah, no, I agree. And I went through that in my own personal finance. I'll, you know, get personal with the mayor here for a minute, but like my wife and I went through this and like, for me, I didn't realize how much, especially when I was traveling a lot, pop in the gas station and pick up a bag of chips, a drink, maybe, uh, you know, whatever it might be, a candy bar of some sort. And those little three and five and $8 trips, now it's more like $10, $12, $15 trips as much as things cost now. A freaking Snicker bar is like $3.59 now at a gas station. But anyway, you know, you add all that kind of stuff. And my wife's like, dude, you got to cut that crap out. And Mm -hmm. we started looking at it. It was like, I was literally spending, it doesn't sound like a lot, but I was spending like, I don't know, $48, $50 a week just on stupid gas station trips just because, you know, I was on the road somewhere. I was going to see a client or whatever. And I just... I got to grab a quick Snickers or I got to grab a quick lunch, Yeah, you know, run through McDonald's real quick, run through Subway, whatever it might be. And it's like, I've just yeah. killed and myself. Like, and to me, like, I mean, I have some of these conversations. This, this isn't like a big part of the conversation. No, I understand me, that. It's spending aware. It's like, man, you got to, you got to, you work hard for your money. Okay. You work hard for it. The last thing you want to do is piss it away. Agreed. Things, so, that, things, things yeah. that are frivolous. So in an agency uh, or agents, you know, what is that frivolous thing that you, you see most often that you could tell them, take a look at? Like for agency owners or agency expenses? Um, Either I or. That, I find that as business owners, we'll write a check a lot faster from our agency than we will yeah. from our personal finances. Do you mean like purchasing a four-wheeler in the name of the agency or a truck in the name of the agency and writing it off? Are you talking maybe, that? Maybe. Or are you maybe. talking we'll more make- like... It's an easier decision. That's an easier decision for some reason because the pot, the, the money flowing is a lot bigger, sure. right? So we got yeah. a lot of money flowing into the agency. I can go buy a, you know, I, I got a business owner client of mine who dropped ninety thousand on a truck. No, nothing wrong with dropping ninety thousand on a truck, but he's like, I could write it off. I said, dude. So you bought it because you pay could for write it. it off. I'm like, I would rather. Like, did you need a new truck? He's like, oh, not really. I said, I would rather pay taxes. And walk away with sixty five thousand dollars or sixty thousand in my investment account, then have a ninety thousand dollar truck in the driveway. He's like, yeah, but I could write it off, and, and like it was pretty much like you know, I'm like, no, that's not how it works. You have to spend money to, to be able to write it off. So like, so what are some things I see? I mean, I don't know. Like, that's a good you know, example. Like, people, people, yeah, that people. I mean, you know, people know what they're spending the money on. Like, you know, here, here so here, let, play along. This is. This typically will shine a light on where you're misspending money. Okay. Right, I want you to think of someone living or dead okay. who you have the absolute most respect for. Like you want them to be happy. You want them to be proud of you. Nothing more would make your heart smile than if you know that this person 
is just affirming of all that you do. Okay, you got that person? Yeah. Okay. Now, this person says, Heath, everything that you have, your ability to work, your bank accounts, your investment accounts, your job, it's mine. But I'm giving you the ability to use it how you please. It's up to you. You can steward those resources however you choose. I don't care. All I ask is once a year, you sit down with me and you give me an account for what you're doing with the resources, with that money, with your skills. Now, there's probably a, a you probably had like a moment of discomfort, like, ooh, I have to, I have to like disclose this, or ooh, like, ah, I really don't want to tell that person that I bought this or I bought that or I spent this much on that, or right. So those are typically the areas that you got to start with, right there. Yeah, 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 yeah. So whatever first came to your mind, that's kind of where we start. Yeah, it, it immediately, it immediately made me think of, and I'm going, it's my show. I'm going Bible. We're talking about the guy with the talents, and he gave his talents to three people, oh, yeah. and one of them. Yeah. You know, and you, you think about that uh, and, um, you know, how they spent their talents and, you know, the guy who just kind of buried it and was like, Hey, I, I, I didn't lose it. You know, I think a lot of insurance agents have that mentality of like, I didn't lose it. You know, I've still got what I started with. But, you know, here's what I hear a lot from insurance guys. I'll just go sell another policy. I'll just sure. go sell another yeah. policy. Yeah. There's a lot of that too. I'll just go sell another policy. I can fund it. Um, right. Um, but no, like, yeah. You know, if you if you think of all the stuff that you have, and your your job is to steward it, and the stewardship is like, is that you're 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 in possession of something that belongs to somebody else, and you're charged with the responsibility of 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 using it. I love that behalf, example. On their behalf, most people I've talked to, and I throw that out, there's usually one or two things that pops in their mind, and over time, more things rise to the top. Um, or typically, when people when t- people typically hire me, there's usually something. That, you know, no one says yeah. like, hey, yeah, I know I need a financial advisor. I'm just going to hire you. It's typically like people know they need a financial advisor and then something happens. They either wake up and they feel uneasy about how they're spending their money. They either right. inherited something or they realize that something's not right. So typically when people are coming to me, there's that pressing thing that's keeping them up at night. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And it's that's I mean, that's one of the first questions I ask is, why are you hiring me? Sure. Like, why? Like you're, you're paying me money. Like, why? <laughs> right. So, you know, what else? Okay. Is, if we're talking to, you know, these agents right now listening or even thinking about starting their agency or they're already agency owners, what's, you know, one, you know, one last thing before we start to wrap up a little bit that you might, you know, that burning on your mind or that you hear a lot that you might want to give some advice on to the audience listening. I'm going to give this open floor. Open floor. Oh my God. Um, I would say know your values. Okay. Agency values or personal values or both? personal values. Like, like, so whenever you're doing business planning, your yeah. business plan needs to start with personal planning. Like if you have, if you have the, the opportunity to build your own business, you need to build it in light of your own personal values, right? Know what's important to you before you build your business. I see this too often with business owners. We think that we're free. I'm going to go run my own agency because I have freedom. I own my own agency and what ends up happening? You you probably see it more than than me because you I mean you you've been in more agencies than I've been into. These people are 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 enslaved to their business. They're putting in more hours. I have yeah. heard more agency owners tell me, you know what? I can go sell for somebody else and make more money than I'm making today. A hundred percent. That's exactly I mean, what I sold the first time. Like I can go sell for somebody else. So know what your values are and build towards them. If your values are family and you think that working 14 hours a day because you're providing for your family is what they want, they don't want that. They want you. Your family would rather be poor and have you right. than, than have, you know, than have the world and, and not have you. If that's important to you, it might not be important to you. That's right. okay. And yeah, hundred um, percent. I love that. Keep going. I'm sorry. I interrupted you. No. So that's, 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 know your values. And that goes back to the question about psychology and behavior. Like you got to know your why, why, why is it important for you to build wealth? Right. If you're just building wealth because that's what people do and then, then don't do it. Yeah. If you're and building, If you're building wealth because man, you want to, 
you want to be in a position to when you have when your kids have kids and you want to be able to travel around the country to visit your grandkids and not have to think twice about it and not have to make hard decisions about who you see and who you don't see and you want to take your kids on a on a family cruise of the Mediterranean and therefore I'm going to work hard and make some hard decisions today so I, I can fund that you're like I got a my 16 year old she dances and she wants to dance professionally she wants to go to to, to school yeah. in the Northeast and dance and I'm sitting here thinking okay so she goes up to the Northeast and she's in college and she's dancing and she has these performances. Yeah. Um, I want to go up there and see her do it. Oh yeah. And I'm like, Oh man, that's going to cost money. So now I'm starting to think like, all right, I got two or three years before that happens. I need to start mentally preparing myself to say, Hey, we're going to take a $5,000 weekend trip <laughs> to New York to watch my daughter dance. That's real right. money. So to me, that's a yeah. small example. That's a that's a picture of something I want to be able to do. So now I have to make decisions today. Is this going to put me in that position? So I save enough now, invest enough now, and maybe I'll have an account that's generating enough revenue so I can go. I hate dipping yeah. into my principal. Like the way I think is if I save money, I can save $100,000. And to me, I don't have $100,000 saved. I have $7,500 of cash flow a year. If I have a million dollars saved, I've got $75,000 of annual cash flow. That's how I think about it. And I think that's a good way to think. If I, if I go buy a rental property, I don't have a, I don't have a $250,000 asset. I've got a $800 a month stream. Yeah. 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 I got you. I like that. Um, And you're right, man. You, You hit it, you know, with that because my son's into basketball really good at it too. And he started playing AAU and I didn't think about this. And I started thinking and like every weekend he's got these tournaments and they're yeah. two and three day tournaments. I mean, entry fee alone, just for me and my family of five to get in the game is 50 bucks. And then everybody's got to eat. And then we got travel expenses. we got yeah. hotels. Uh-huh. I'm spending, you know, sometimes five and 600 bucks a weekend, you know, just local if tournaments. If you're lucky. If you're right. Lucky. That's local tournaments. Like yeah. if I'm going from little rock to Memphis, two hours away, I'm going to spend even more than that. You know, if I'm going to Dallas or we had to go, you know, we've been all over the place in Texas for it. You think about that. It starts adding up. Like you said, I didn't think about that. And so then my financial planner is like, where are you spending your money? I was like, bro, these tournaments are costing me. And he was like, we got to reallocate some money. we got to do some things. You didn't tell me this was going on. So you're right. You know, you start thinking about those things. And so I love that example to get agencies thinking, go. So, so that was the first thing is know your value. Here's the second thing. And this is, this is something I learned this through experience. Okay. okay. Yeah. Is know who you're taking your cues from, right? Okay. You're, 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 we, there's a lot of very successful agency owners that are pretty public in our space. Yeah. And they're doing great things. Yeah. You are not them. <laughs> right. You, you are not them. You can't operate the business the way they do. You can learn from them. Right. You can glean wisdom from them. Okay. But you need to build your your goals are yours. They need to be yours. They need to come from inside. Don't try to be someone you're not. I tried to model my agency after another agency that like, at the end of the day, I'm like, number one, all my carriers are surplus and all their carriers are big national carriers. (laughs) <laughs> number two, their carriers have service departments that they can offload to. I don't. Right. And I'm like, for like two years, I'm like trying to like, just like trying to, I'm like, I can't do it. I can't build what they're, like, there's no physical way I can do it. But I learned a lot on operating an agency from them. So then I found another agency owner who did a lot of surplus lines in an ethnic marketplace. Yeah. Using very similar systems that I'm using. I'm like, ooh. That fits more of what I'm trying to build. I can learn more from that person. So don't try to be someone else. Learn from other people, but know who you are. Yeah, it goes back to what you were saying earlier. You and I are different people. Everybody's different. Every agency is a little bit different. Things work a little differently because we're all people. We all you know do things. Di- I think that's good advice. Uh, I think yeah. that's solid. Um, and just because it works for somebody else doesn't mean it's going to work for you. Um, you know, it's things that work for you may not work for somebody else. Uh, I think the I love that we didn't know where we were going when we started this. We were kind of figuring that out. But where we ended up on this has been a really good journey. I appreciate it. Um, And I hope that 
you, the listener, have really you know gleaned a lot from this. And if you want to reach out uh, to Eric, how would Eric uh, be reached? Like, how would Eric? If, you talk? If yeah, you want to reach Eric. <laughs> yeah, if you want to reach E Money, I'm just kidding. Uh, no, big easy. Big easy. There you go. Yeah, uh, you go to agentendgame.com. That's a uh, that's okay. our, our page for agency uh, professionals. Agentendgame.com, and okay. there's there's links there. You can book a discovery call with me. You can also follow our podcast stuff about money they didn't teach you in school. So you can just go find that wherever you listen to your podcast. Stuff about money they didn't teach you in school. Mm-hmm. Um, so if you want to hear more of Eric, there you go. Good stuff. Who doesn't love to talk about money, Heath? That's everybody, right? So, um, do you know more people actually? Money's actually um, people don't like talking about money. Believe it or not, they don't like talking about what they do with their money. They don't like talking about personal finance. No, you start getting squirmy, and you start, mm-hmm. you know, people don't. Yeah, I've been yep. like that the whole the whole episode. That's just because I'm ADD though. But um, bro, I appreciate you. We've been trying to do this for a long time, and wow. uh, you know, uh, I'm a bad host because I forgot one time and. I had to get my papers in order to be able to visit insurance town. (laughs) So, no, I had a good time, man. I I appreciate, I appreciate your friendship. I appreciate the, the fun texts that we have off camera. I I appreciate everything, man. You're a good dude. Um, You know, Stacy and I love you. Anytime we get to see you, I appreciate what you stand for. You're a good man. I appreciate it a lot. Thank you for being here. Next March, come down to New Orleans, man. I'll boil some crawfish. Done. You ain't got to tell me twice. That's my favorite thing. Good old mud bugs. All right, man. Appreciate you, bro. Thank you, thank you, thank you so much, guys, for hanging out with us today at the program. I really had a good time today. I, I enjoyed this conversation with Eric. He is such a cool guy. And uh, thank you so much just for just being here with us. Uh, go to uh, Heath at insurancetownpodcast.com. Send me an email. Let me know what you think about it. Uh, let me know if there's any other guests you want to hear from. Let me know what you think about the new format. Just hit me up. Uh, Guys, I look forward to hanging out with you uh, again next week. So I'll talk to you later.